Hey guys, welcome back to On the Road to Damascus. This is your host, Yvonne, and I am excited to take that huge passage of scripture that I shared in episode two and to start breaking it down. If you are excited, let me know. Go find us on your platform that you're streaming from. Give us a like, review us. Find me on Instagram, On the Road to Damascus podcast. Let me know how you've been enjoying this. So I want to dive into Acts 9, and I want to break it down chunk by chunk. And I know last episode we had that uh, huge part we read. We read chapter 9 all the way to verse 19. But what I want to do is I want to talk about the first chunk. Acts 9, 1 to 3. That's it. Those verses. So I'm going to read them to you um, in case you're listening to this in a vehicle. If you're listening to this where you don't have your Bible, let me read them. And I'm going to be reading from my New American Standard um, that I have. So it's Acts 9, 1 to 3. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murdered against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belongings to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. That's it. We're going to dive into those three verses and why. Why those verses? Because most people read them and they go, well, they, there can't be a lot in it, you know, the the meat of the story or the, the meat of the verses doesn't even start till four when, when God speaks to him. But you know what? I really believe it's so important that we set the stage. And what I mean by that is that I want to take this really big opportunity here and I want to talk about Saul. Saul was a man who persecuted. And when I mean persecuted, I mean he killed Christians. He did not like them. He disliked them so much that he was part of the stoning of a disciple named Stephen. He just really, really, really adamantly believed that what he was doing was right. How many of us have thought that in our lives, that what we were doing, how we were living was right and everyone else was wrong? Now, I know that this story is a little bit different because, you know, we have the complete parallel of Saul to Paul, you know, before Christ, after Christ, we have that. But I want to talk about it from the perspective of what we believe we're doing at this moment, what we believe that, you know, we believe we're on a journey that this is, this is it. This is what we're doing. And it's right. And nobody, nobody can convince us otherwise that we are wrong. And, you know, when I, when I think about that, I think about that in my, in my own journey, in my own life, you know, where I adamantly believed I was right where I adamantly believed against all odds, against what everyone 
you know, the whole world was telling me I was correct. The whole world was telling me I was right. The story goes is that, you know, when I was 16, you know, I did everything that a 16-year-old did. You know, I had a lot of baggage. I had a lot of damage um, because of the way that I grew up. But, you know, in that time, and I'm not going to tell you the year I was 16 because um, <laughs> I'm not dating myself in, in how old I am. Not yet, anyway. But the thing is, is that the things that I did, you know, the the needing to find um, a person to validate my feelings, the needing to find um, self-assurance, the needing to find value um, was through, you know, guys. The drinking and doing drugs was easy because it's what everyone else did. And, you know, there was a moment in my life where I sat there, you know, with an adult one time at, at 16 and I said, I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to do those things. I want to wait till I'm married. I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to do any drinking. I'm adamantly never going to do those things because I don't want to, because I have this vision in my mind of something I want to do, something I want to be, something different. And eventually the world just weighed me down. Eventually it got to the point where I was an outcast. I was different because I dared to, to have go against the grain of what the world was telling me. And so I started doing what the world said. And I was validated for that. Everyone else was doing it. You're an outcast for doing something different. I didn't want to be an outcast. At the time, I had a lot of issues of abandonment and a lot of issues of needing to um, be liked and, and being in the in crowd. And, you know, those are things that eventually, you know, through counseling and dealing with some of my own emotions and that, that, that I was able to walk away from. But at the time, at 16 years old, when you have no friends, when everyone goes to a party and they're drinking, when everybody goes to a party and it's okay doing drugs or when people are sleeping with each other at that age with no regard or little regard to the future, it makes sense to do it. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be in the in crowd. I wanted to have friends. And so I did the things that put me in that. And why is that important when we talk about these first three verses is because at the time, Jesus wasn't even liked. His disciples wasn't like people were persecuting them all the time. Government didn't like him. You know, people who attempt who went to um to the temple, the Pharisees, they didn't like him. They said that he was wrong. Paul was doing what everyone else was doing. And a lot of people at that time said what they were doing was wrong. And he was adamant that they were wrong and he was right. It's just crazy to, to think that something so important as those verses in Acts 9, 1 to 3 is so important today in our lives. What are you willing to do to be liked? Is it going against the grain of the world or are you going to be part of and partake in what the world is doing? You know, Paul went to Damascus 
and he was a man on a mission. He was getting, he had letters so he can go to the synagogues. He walked with a purpose. He walked with a, with an understanding that he was right. He walked with confidence. And, And there's people in our lives, we have that. They're so confident in what they do. They're so confident in how they hold themselves that I can't help but go, what am, what if I'm wrong? What if I am wrong? That person just seems so confident in what they're doing. What if I'm wrong? And that was that was Saul. He was confident in what he was doing. So confident, in fact, that he just, he knew exactly. So confident that he was approaching Damascus and then there was a light from heaven flashed around him. And that all of a sudden that confidence was gone. Where have you been in your life where you have been so, so confident in what you were doing and all of a sudden your life was just completely interrupted? Just think about it. I think everyone has that moment. I was very confident in what I was doing in life. My interruption is not like a lot of people's at 18. I had my first son. My interruption looked very, very different. But I hold to the statement to this day um, in a book, The God Imprint, that I wrote that I needed that interruption in my life because I would have just continued down that path. I would have just continued on that journey. And I wouldn't have thought a second thought that I was wrong. I adamantly would have been right and told people that I was right. Everyone does it. But there's a moment in your life. There's, there's this moment because if you're listening to this and you're going, I don't really understand why I'm listening to this or, you know, you somebody who's listened to the previous episodes, I want to encourage you. You guys know that this is a Christian podcast that we do speak openly about God and the relationship that, you know, me personally that I have and the things that I read that I share with people. Um, so you do know that. So you know that when I talk about an interruption, I'm talking about the moment that God just sets you off course. And for me, it was my my son who I had. And when I had him at 18, um, it set me on a different course. And that course didn't actually manifest until two more years later. But it set me on a different path. This story is a little bit different in Acts. You know, he's heaven, there's a light that flashes, and then immediately he hears from God, which we'll talk about next week. But I want to talk about that, his journey approaching to where he was going for the purpose of what he was doing, and life just interrupted him. What do you do when life interrupts you? What do you do when God interrupts your life? Do you get mad? Do you get angry? Do you comply? What do you do? Because when God, sometimes when God interrupts my life, even though I've been in a relationship with him for many years, sometimes when he interrupts my life, I still get a little bit upset. And I think the reason that I get upset when he interrupts my life 
is because I think that the path that I on that I'm on is I'm right. And that's the problem that I think a lot of people run into is that we are on a path and we go, I know it, this is the right path. I everything and God interrupts and we get mad because when he interrupts, it's generally because we're on the wrong path and he doesn't interrupt to, to make you mad. He doesn't interrupt to wreck your life. He doesn't interrupt to do any of that. He interrupts you because he can see that if you continue on that path, you're going to hit a dead end. Or he sees that if you continue on the path, it's not going to go well. So he interrupts you. He adjusts your course. And when he does that, you know, your reaction will say a lot about how you feel about the path you're on. When God interrupts my path um, and I'm not upset, it's generally because I know that the path that I'm on, I'm walking it with God. Meaning I'm anticipating that there could be a moment where my path does change. And that's okay because where he goes, I go. And what he says, I say. So when I do that, I'm going, okay, yeah, now we're just pivoting a little bit. Now we're just going over here a little bit. And that's okay. I'm good with that. But there's times where he has completely interrupted my path. And all of a sudden I'm mad and I'm upset. And not just for a day. I'm talking days. I'm upset for days. But he's interrupted my path because I was so confident in my ability. Did you hear that? I was so confident in my ability and the path I was walking on that I forgot that it was his ability for the path that he put me on. That's the difference. And so I, I really wanted to, to just talk about who we were before God interrupted us. And maybe you're somebody, you're like, um, Yvonne, God has not interrupted me. I'm on this path. I've hit the dead ends. I don't know. I don't want to go back. I, you know, like things are not going great. He's going to interrupt you. It's not going to look like anything you're imagining. It's going to come out. It may not even, people often think it's going to be a big booming voice from heaven. It generally is not. Um, you know, most people say they've never heard the audible voice of God. It's going to look, if you're on a path and you're, you know, you're kind of questioning it and you're going, I'm waiting for an interruption. The very opposite of everything that you think is probably the interruption that you're going to experience because it's, it's never what you think it is. And it's never going to be something that you think it is because it'll only justify that you are right. It has to be something that shakes you to the very core going, you're wrong. God is a good God and he's a good father and he doesn't do it to hurt us. I know that there was a moment on my path when after being 16 and 17 and doing things that, you know, really would have damaged me if I continued doing them for the long run. Um, really would have damaged me and having my son you know when people think about that or I tell people that and I let them know that my son saved me you know and don't worry I don't I don't put that on him what I mean is that I had to stop doing everything when I got pregnant because he became the more important in my life 
at the time, he was the more important in my life. And he's still very important to me. In case he ever listens to this, he's still very important to me. But what I mean is that I had to stop drinking and I had to stop doing drugs because he became the more important in my life. And then I was put on a different path. All of a sudden, what the path that I was on, and I was angry. I was very frustrated. I felt like I had changed. My life was going to be changed forever. And of course, it was going to be changed forever. I didn't want to be pregnant at 18. I didn't want any of those things because, you know, as much as I love my kids, it's so hard. It's so hard at 18. It's so hard being in a relationship for only, you know, less than half a year with somebody you don't know, trying to raise a family together. It's very difficult. And anybody who's walked that journey, I mean, they understand it's very difficult. It was never the path I wanted. Never the path. It was not a path that I wanted to go on at all. And there I found myself taking a path that I did not want. But in the process, and now that I can look back, and now that I can think about it, I had to stop the destructiveness that was happening in my life. And it stopped because I thought about somebody else. And then my path started shifting. I was thinking less about me and the wounds that I had. I was thinking more about my son and eventually my daughter that came along two years later and my son four years after my first one was born. As things started changing and in those moments on that path that God shook my life, it's like he was a snow, I was a snow globe and he took it and he shook it upside down and things just started shaking. And I found myself in a place that I never wanted to be and on a journey that I never wanted to take. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, it was hard. It was very difficult. I was pregnant at 18, had my daughter at 20, had my other son at 22. Yes, it was difficult. But I want to tell you what happens when you just let go of the anger and the frustration of being on a different path. You see, after I had my three kids and I stayed at home with them, something changed in me. The wounds and the hurt and the brokenness that I felt from my own childhood all of a sudden started becoming healed. And the child that I never got to be, I got to be with my own children. God put me on a path that I didn't want, but in that process, he redeemed so much more than I could have ever, ever imagined. So much more than I could have imagined. He allowed me to give my kids something that I was never allowed. And he showed me what a mom looked like, one who was a little bit more healthier than the one that I had. And what it looked like to go on a different path. You see, I let go of needing to do it my way and started doing it his way. And when I did that, not only did it set the course of where I am today, but what it did is is it broke the familiar rut that my family has lived in for many years. I'm talking generational cycle. I'm talking about that moment where you realize you're just reliving the footsteps of one of your family members again because that family member from that family and it goes back so many generations 
and people can't get out of it and and they're getting frustrated and they don't understand it's because we're confident in what we're doing we think that we're on the right path and when we try to get out of it and we go to a different path it's so unfamiliar to us because it's terrain that we've never taken before we get mad and we get angry and we get frustrated and we don't know why it's so hard and it's so hard because no one has ever taken that path before in your family because you are paving and pioneering a new path for your family. It's unfamiliar terrain. I don't know about you. I, I mean, I'm not a hiker. And if I hike, I only hike on places people have been before um, because I'm not as, as long as much as I say I'm super adventurous there's certain things I'm not adventurous about and that's you know accidentally breaking an ankle or, or something like that but I know that there's people who hike unfamiliar places and the thing is is that once they do it they tell somebody else and then they do it and then they do it and then they do it. and all of a sudden it's a worn path off the path that everybody else is used to you see, what if this is an opportunity to take a new path, not just for yourself, but for your family? What if this is an opportunity to go down a different road that the generations before you could not go? This is an opportunity to partner with God in a way that, that maybe no one has partnered with him before because it doesn't feel right, because it feels off. Because maybe you're not wearing the right shoes yet because you just don't know the ground feels different because it's not the rut you've been in. You see, Saul was just doing only what Saul knew what to do. He was taught. It was a familiar path. He was doing what everyone else was doing, going down the same old path, doing the same old things. And then there was a light from heaven flashed around him. And all of a sudden, something stopped him. What is stopping you today? I encourage you to look around. See what, look around, see what is different. See what is off. What is making you frustrated and, and angry Go confront it. Go find out if that's a different path that maybe God's calling you on. See if that's something that's that's happening and you're like, oh, I just, I don't understand. You know, I don't like it. It's interrupting and causing chaos in my life. Go ask the chaos. Generally, it's only chaos until you walk into it and then you find that it's not chaos. There's no chaos in the kingdom of heaven. It's only chaos because you are still fighting what is happening. Are you on the path that you're supposed to be on? Is this the journey that you're meant to take? And is this an opportunity for the flash and a light of heaven to hit you? What has stopped you dead in your tracks? I want people to be encouraged that it might not happen right away. It might take a little bit longer sometimes, but generally it happens. And I don't, I, and I shouldn't say generally, it always, always happens. God has made a path for you. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, a hope for a future. 
for I know. Why does he know? Because in Jeremiah 1 to 10, he says, in Jeremiah 1 verses 1 to 10, he says that I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. He knows you. He has given you hope for a future because he gave you that future. Because he knows the path that you're supposed to be on. And sometimes the world knocks us off our path, knocks us off course. And we end up where we're not supposed to be. And we sometimes think that, I guess this is what I get. I did some things in my life. I guess this is the path I'm supposed to be on. No. No. If I ever heard one of my kids telling me that, I would stop whatever I was doing and I'd look them dead in the face and I'd be like, no. Do not say that. God has a plan and a purpose for you. It is a path that he has created for you. He knew you. He knows you intimately. He knows you. He knows what you can do. He knows the path that you should be on. And I bet some of you listening are going, I don't, you know, I, I've asked, I, you know, I can't see it. I, you know what? Some, I'm going to tell you again. It's not always an audible voice of God. It's going to be something that makes you uncomfortable. It's going to be something, even a small thing. Because he doesn't always yell it. Sometimes it comes in the softest sound. There is a real opportunity for people to start changing their paths. I know for a lot of people, and I've spoken to a lot of people, they've told me, you know, Yvonne, this just doesn't feel like the right path. I just don't feel like where I'm supposed to be is where I'm supposed to be. I just don't feel like, and, and I get that, and I get that, and I encourage you that maybe it's time before God interrupts your life for you to stop on your own and ask for directions. Ask him. Before he interrupts your life, for me, I needed my life interrupted. I was not going to ask him. I didn't know him. And if you're here and you're listening and you don't really know what to believe and you're like, I, I don't really know, ask him anyway. He wants to answer you. Ask him. You will be amazed at what he will say to you. He's ready to answer. And if you're not ready to get off that path, if you're like, no, I'm correct in what I'm doing, that's okay. He knows that too. And sometimes some of us just aren't ready to get off that path. As I said, it took me two years even getting knocked into another path before I came into agreement with what was happening. Now, I'm super stubborn. Um, and some of you probably aren't as stubborn as I am. But I encourage you that if you're just like, you're not feeling it anymore, you just don't know, ask him, am I on the right path? Is this is where I'm supposed to be? Let me know if I'm supposed to be here or if I'm supposed to go somewhere else. And he will tell you because he wants only good things 
for you. Thanks for joining me. Episode 3, Season 3, On the Road to Damascus. I encourage you to make those connections with God, to sit with Him and ask Him what He wants for your life. And as I said, He's a good dad. If you want, please reach out on the Road to Damascus um, on Instagram, on the Road to Damascus on Facebook. Drop a like, drop a heart, anything. Um, I would love to connect with you if you have questions. Again, my name is Yvonne, and I look forward to speaking and sharing the rest of Acts 9, 1-4 next week. God bless. Bye.